What's up? And welcome to Clarity for Parents of Athletes, bringing you stories from professional athletes about their parents and how they were raised. My name is Gabe Nocere from aclearmind.com. and welcome to episode 15. As always, I hope you've been enjoying all the episodes, uh, both the ones with the athletes and the ones with me. Uh, I do have some really exciting um, interviews coming up. Um, but first, I always, I want to ask you to please share the podcast, review the podcast and rate it on iTunes, or I'm sorry, on Apple Podcasts or whatever uh, method you listen to that really helps get it out there a little bit more and more. The Obviously, the more you listen, share, review, and rate. So I really appreciate uh, your efforts in doing that, as long as you believe in the podcast, of course, which uh, seems like pretty much everybody has so far. Um, I'm always open to any kind of feedback, positive, negative, whatever it is. So um, feel free to contact me through my website at clearmind.com. Uh, so anyway, like I mentioned, I have some really exciting interviews coming up. Uh, I have one, I'm just going to do some spoilers right now, um, one with uh, A.J. Bramlett, who is a guy who's local to Albuquerque. I uh, played basketball for the University of Arizona and won a national championship over there and played under Hall of Fame coach Lou Olson and uh, played with some other guys who are probably going to be in the NBA Hall of Fame, like Jason Terry. Um uh, specifically, but also played with Mike Bibby, Miles Simon, some names that you may recall. But AJ spent some time in the NBA and also overseas in Spain. Another interview I had is with an Olympic gymnast uh, who represented the U.S. in uh, the 2004 Olympics. I'm not going to give her away her name just yet, but uh, I'm going to talk to her next week and hope to have her interview out uh, in a couple weeks after that. And also, um, so I went to Bali recently, and I'm going to talk about that here in a little bit. But when I was in Bali, uh, the universe brought me this guy into my life. Um, I was at a little kind of outdoor mall, like a mini outdoor mall. Everything's super compact in Bali uh, since it's an island. Uh, but we we're in this little outdoor mall that had a playground so we would take our son to it every day and the first day that we went there this guy and I locked eyes he was inside his restaurant which they also do um, they sell clothing and they have different events in there so we locked eyes he said what's up I walked in and we started chatting and uh, went there the next night and before you know it we um, were chatting about the podcast and he played uh, basketball for the English national team. So I said, Hey, do you want to be on the podcast? And, uh, I had my Bluetooth mic, which I carry pretty much everywhere when I travel, just in case something like this does happen and, and did an interview. So, uh, really cool stuff with him. And what's really, really, really unique about him is he grew up, uh, basically as an orphan, his, um, parents or his, mom developed mental illness and his dad um, couldn't handle the children in his life. So he took them to a children's home in London. That's where he spent the vast majority of his, basically all of his youth from 18 months to 18 years old. So really cool story um, with him as well. Um, so anyway, uh, 
Bali was awesome. I'm sure you've seen pictures of it. If not, you know, if you just uh, do a web search for Bali and images, then you'll see some really amazing pictures. It is a beautiful place. The people are amazing. Um, it was a little different than what I expected. I expected the energy of, of the island, like most islands I've been to, uh, really comes from the beach. But to me, the 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 energy that I felt most pulled to is actually more inland in a place called Ubud. And they had just amazing food there, um, a real deep sense of spirituality in there. There's 80, I believe it's 80%, 80 or 90% of the uh, people on the island are Hindu. Uh, so there are temples everywhere. Every home and every business has its own temple where people go and, and pray and they have statues outside of the homes. And so there's a super strong sense of spirituality. There's no surprise that there's a big yoga influence there. And that's uh, centered mostly in Ubud and around that area. Um, we did spend the first leg of our trip, I think about five or six days in a place called Changu. Uh, and all their C's are spelled or said with C-H. So it's C-A-N-G-G-U, uh, but it's, it's uh, pronounced Changu. Changu was cool. A lot of good restaurants there. The people were amazing. That's where actually I met uh, Robert, uh, or Rob, who is, uh, he was the English national basketball uh, team player. And there was a little bit of disappointment that I felt in there. There's, there's open sewage in there. There's a lot of litter, especially in the local beach area. Um, that was a little disheartening to see is just how much the locals just littered because we went to some other beaches that were mostly touristy type beaches and those were pristine. They kept them clean. Um, and even in the, which was kind of ironic in the, the local beach in Changu that we went to a little bit further down from where our Airbnb was, there was a little bit cleaner part of the beach and the water was a little more calm for our son who's six years old and he's still getting used to, the ocean water and the intensity of the wave. So we, we moved down a little bit and it was definitely cleaner, still a little littered, but what we saw, we saw about like 20 Australian tourists uh, just walking the beach with trash bags and cleaning up the trash. So it's almost like they took more care of the Island um, than the local people did, which was really surprising to me. I, I, you know, it was something I was completely shocked with now. So we went from Changu to Ubud to the, the heart of the, the island, I think, with the, where it's where the hub for the yoga yoga people are the yogis, and I mean, like I said, really amazing food. Some of the best food I've ever had in my life were at these two vegan restaurants. Not not just some of the best vegan food, but some of the best food I've ever had were at these two restaurants. In there, one was called Zest, and the other one, uh, what was it called? Oh, Alchemy. That's right. Um, so they were real close to each other. And luckily our, our house that we were staying at was real close to these places. Now, so we went from Changu to Ubud. Uh, we went to a wedding there that was incredible. Um, it was actually just a little outside of Ubud. And then we went back down to another city uh, in on the island just to stay there overnight closer to the airport. Um, now, when we were driving from Ubud down to the last city, which is called Jimbaran, our driver was telling us about the island and, and the makeup. Like I mentioned, he he's the one who told me that the island, and I wish I remembered exactly what percentage he gave me, but he said it was about 80 to 
Hindu on the island and that they had three karmas that they believed in and is to treat others well, which the local people were absolutely kind and incredible people. Uh, you didn't see anybody yelling or screaming. Um, There's just such a good energy from every single person. They really treated our son really well. And, and he was a big hit on the island, uh, which if you've seen him on any of my social media, you'll see he's actually a pretty cute child. Um, and so it's no surprise that they really loved him and he loved them. Um, so they believed in in uh, taking care of each other, taking care of people and being kind to people, kind to animals, which, you know, the vegans may say, well, they still eat meat. So that's maybe not being so kind. So they're could be a little bit of doubt in that one, depending on, on your how you view things. And the third was they believe in treating the earth well and kind being kind to the earth. And my wife and I, when he told us this, we looked at each other and we're like, hold on, wait a second. What was his name? His name is YN. We said, wait a second, YN. Look, we see garbage everywhere. It's like, how can 80% of the people on this island believe in a karma about treating the the earth well when there's so much garbage. And he said, well, I guess they forget or they don't care. So, you know, it definitely made our heads spin a little bit. And we saw, you know, I started to see the this idea of treating the earth well and that which they aren't following as a, somewhat of a form of hypocrisy. Now, this is not meant to bash the Hindu religion. It's a beautiful religion, but just to bring some kind of awareness out and to kind of transition into something else that kind of struck me, which is the idea of hypocrisy. Now, I've been reading a book called The Awakened Family uh, by Dr. Shafali Sabari, who wrote a book that really helped save our relationship with our daughter called The Conscious Parent. Now, this is one of those books that when I was the conscious parent, when I was, when I read it, it's like every single page I turned to, I was like, Oh my God, this is everything that I'm experiencing right now. And, or this is me. And I don't know if you've read any books like that, where you can really relate to exactly what the author is writing about on a deep, deep level. But that's what that book did. Now this book is doing something similar. It's, it's not so much like, Oh my God, this is me, but this is more, how I used to think before I read her her other book, The Conscious Parent. So it's called The Awakened Family. And ironically enough, I was reading this book on the plane ride to Bali, which is a really long ride, by the way, but definitely worth it. Um, so there was a page that really stuck out in my mind, um, and I'm going to read it, and hopefully I'm not violating any kind of copyright or anything, but um, I'm the one reading this, so hopefully not, and I, I'm not getting anything out of promoting this book. I just really believe in her and really believe in her messages. It has a lot to do with consciousness, uh, obviously, as the conscious parent <laughs> title can indicate. Uh, I did actually try and get her to be a guest on the podcast, but I, I got a response from her people. It said she's busy writing her next book and uh, doing other stuff, so she didn't have time to do that, so... Uh, I wish her well on her next book and look forward to reading that. So anyway, this is from The Awakened Family, and uh, it's on page 81. It's called Double Standards. When we focus on children's behavior as a measure of goodness or badness, we do them a huge disservice. Imagine a friend telling you that you forgot their birthday because you were thoughtless or were being mean to them. Or picture your spouse calling you bad 
and a mess because you were tired and took a nap before doing the dishes. The fact is we expect more of our children in terms of their behavior than we ever demand of ourselves, our spouse, or our friends. Talk about double standards. When our children slip up, some of us are quick to call them names, sometimes labeling them in the most degrading ways. When they fail to obey us, we reprimand them. When they forget their lunchbox, homework, or permission slip, we act like it's the end of the world. And we forget all the times we've lost our keys, failed to return a phone call, or missed a deadline ourselves. This double standard has a huge effect on our children. If we are honest with ourselves, we recognize that we make mistakes and poor decisions all the time. Yet when our preteens and teens do the same, we believe their actions are unconscionable. When we turn in a bill too late, forget to pay our credit card, or get a speeding ticket, we rationalize that we were stressed. Yet, if our children turn in an assignment late, don't study sufficiently for an exam, or get a detention slip, we panic. The reality is we're terrified that if they don't meet all the expectations of being good, they will fail in life. Let me pause a little bit from from reading, and remember that 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 terrified feeling, that fear, it always comes from the ego, right? That the ego is fed off fear. That's that's the foundation of the ego. All right, so back to it. So we imagine that if we're if they were truly as quote unquote good as they could be, they would always achieve their best. All of this is nothing but our fear raising its ugly head, driving us to behave not only irrationally, but also extremely unfairly. As we grow in consciousness, we see the importance of moving away from labels such as good and bad instead of focusing on compliance and obedience, as well as how our kids make us look or feel, we begin to focus on matters such as these. Did my child express themselves freely? Did my child listen to their inner voice? Did my child focus on their own needs and find ways to meet them? Did my child dare to make mistakes and find ways to correct them? Now pay attention to that one specifically, right? Did my child feel safe to tell the truth without feel fear of shame? Did my child follow their heart without interference from me or from others? Now, we often, and it's <laughs> at least in my experience, there are a lot of times when we can speak to our, our child our children in hypocritical ways, right? It's kind of that do as I say, not as I do type attitude where, you know, we say, you know, get off your electronics, but we're on our electronics. Uh, The way we drive, we say drive safely, but yet we're running stop signs and we're, you know, speeding through yellow lights instead of slowing down. Or, we forget that we're sometimes role models, that we don't want them to be this way. If you have young children, obviously your, your young children aren't going to be like, yeah, hey, dad, let me have a beer or whatever. You know, but if we're drinking heavily in front of our young children, then they tend to pick up those habits later on in their lives or smoking cigarettes or whatever it is. Now, I firmly believe that children are our best teachers and if we give them the freedom to use their voice, they can be our best accountability partners into how we're behaving and can call us out when we're being somewhat hypocritical. I know my son has called me out if I don't come to a complete stop sign or if we're saying he needs to put down uh, the iPad and 
you know, my wife and I are still on our phones. Then he's saying, hey, well, why do I have to put mine down and you guys are using yours? And, and you say, well, yeah, you have a point. Maybe we should all put down our electronics right now. But if we don't give children their voices, then they're going to grow up thinking things are unfair and they're going to want to gain some type of control in their lives. And that can kind of lead to a downward spiral as they get older and older. I think a lot of parents, and for me at one time when I was raising our daughter when she was younger, you know, we believe that just because children are physically smaller, that they don't have the wisdom like adults do. And that's completely false. If not, sometimes they have more wisdom in them because they don't see the world, especially at a younger age. They don't see it from this vantage point of needing to achieve things and live life from the outside in. They are born living from the inside out where to where they understand their happiness and everything that they need comes from inside of them. But as they get older and they start to see the world in a different way and they start to absorb this individualistic men- mentality that exists in a lot of countries, including the U.S., to where you know, everyone has this push and drive to be superior and to achieve success based on money instead of really that happiness and that internal peace of mind, they start to lose that when they start to live life more from the outside in. Now think about it this way. If a child isn't given their voice, if they try and call out their parents, like my son does for me, and it does for my wife as well. But if we say, you know what, I'm the adult here, something like that, to where it diminishes their inner power and their wisdom, then think about how they start to view the world. And and they're going to lose that sense of power within them. We want them to maintain that sense of power and that sense of wisdom that they have as long as possible and to not see things in such an unfair and hypocritical way. Now, Another thing that's kind of really been resonating with me is when we're going to sporting events, you know, we're always trying to, you know, I think one thing that I always try and do is I try and teach my son um, and my daughter, although my daughter, as you may have heard from the other episode, she's a little older, so she's out of the house now. Um, But for our son, he's, you know, six years old. And what I really try and teach him is to speak kindly to other people. And even when you're frustrated to slow down and speak to somebody and, and convey your message in a more you know, peaceful and loving way, you know, you can be firm and loving at the same time. But when we go to these sporting events, that's the last thing that my son hears, you know, people are screaming at the referees, they're screaming at the players yet. So we see this and if maybe, and I'm not one of these people that screams at the ref or screams at the uh, opposing players, but if I was, think about how much of a hypocrite I I would be if I was telling my son to speak kindly to others, but here at a soccer game, it's okay to yell at all these people. And I want to get into that specifically in another episode uh, about that, but Just wanted to kind of lay that out there right now. It's a little bit of hypocrisy when we say, speak kindly, but when you're at a a sporting event, it's okay not to, right? Be kind to others, but with your opponents, 
you know, you have to be mean to your opponents to be successful, which I don't agree with both as a parent, as a player, as a coach. I think you can play uh, aggressively, but kindly against people and you can compete in a loving manner or you can always compete with your ego. But when you compete with a loving manner, you're always more able to get in the flow state as a, as an athlete. So I want to go back to what Dr. Shafali wrote is, did my child dare to make mistakes and find ways to correct them? Now, I talked about this a couple episodes ago about resiliency and dealing with adversity. Now, one of the giant things I believe that we need to do in order to keep our children resilient is we need to make sure they're comfortable making mistakes. Again, it's, it's hypocritical when we say, you can't make mistakes on the playing field or you if you get frustrated either verbally or non-verbally because there's a lot of times where I've seen parents, usually dads, sorry guys, but it's usually dads that maybe they won't verbally say something, but you can read it in their body language about how they're feeling whenever their child makes a mistake. And children pick up on it. They are so in tuned with us, not just verbally, but non-verbally as well. They can feel energy better than adults can because they don't have that filter on them. They know how they're saying it and they can just feel it in their energy. So it's a little bit hypocritical to say, you don't make mistakes, but then like Dr. Shafali said, I can make mistakes and it's okay. I was tired or I was stressed or I have a lot going on. Or you can say things like, well, just do what I say, you know. And again, like I mentioned a little while ago, all this stuff, when we're, we're essentially scared that our child's not going to be good enough, which we feel may be a reflection on ourselves or some kind of fear that how others are looking at our child, right? And that our child won't achieve success. They won't achieve popularity, approval from their teammates. You know, it could really go down a big rabbit hole and say they're not going to get a college scholarship, even though they're six, seven, eight years old. This is going to affect them the rest of their lives. But when we are always approaching something out of fear, then we pass that on to our child and they'll pick up on that. And then that's the lens that they will see with things. They will see the world with fear. And they, when you start doing that, that's when you start searching for things outside of yourself. And I've talked about this a ton of times before, the outside-in mentality. You start searching for approval in others or in accomplishments. And we lose sight on the fact that everything already in our lives is perfect. And really, the focus should be on the journey of what we're, where, where we're going, not some fictional destination where we have to be. And if we don't get there, then we'll deem ourselves as a failure. You know, I was thinking, this reminds me, you know, I had a pretty successful club team that we won a lot of state championships and did really well in, in national tournaments and in, in, in regionals. And I was looking at my trophies and I said, these trophies really themselves are, are really meaningless as far as the specific trophy. Because what, what gives them meaning are my memories of the team and the players and the journey that we went on. That's the true meaning right there. And I know it's a little hypocritical of me to say, yeah, these trophies are meaningless, yet I still have them in my man cave. Um, but I haven't gotten to that point where I'm just like ready to, to toss them out. Um, 
But I hope you see what I'm saying is that the journey in life is so much more important than the end results. But we get so caught up on what we need to be or how we need to be. And we are so disillusioned to the point that we believe that happiness and success is comes from the outside. It comes from accomplishments. It comes from having money. It comes from having friends or likes on social media or attention on social media. And our children more and more these days are brought into that same illusion. And I feel like it's getting more and more intense because that's the world that they're brought up in. Luckily, I grew up as a child in a world without social media and without cell phones and without um, trying to get too much popularity from the outside of us. I can't imagine today when these kids, that's their normal lives, right? That they're brought up with this idea that they will only be successful if they look this way, if they talk this way, if they dress with these clothes, if they have this much money, if they drive this kind of car, now, obviously, I had that in my life as a child, but my point is it's not to the intensity and to the level that exists today with social media and Instagram and all these images kids get, not just when they're driving by a billboard or flipping through a magazine like in when I was a child, but basically all the time when they're on their phone, they're bombarded with these images that of this success that's going to exist only from outside of us. The more we can teach them, that their lives are happier or that their life, their happiness in life comes from within them. And you see that all the time in these posts on social media, that true happiness only comes from within. Well, yeah, that's actually true. That's why it's, it exists on there. But it always starts with ourselves. We have to be the role models for our children. So we have to understand that, yes, our happiness only comes from within and it doesn't matter how much money we make or what kind of car we drive or what our friends are doing or how many friends that we have or any of that stuff. And all those things are great, but it doesn't make us whole. That's the big thing is we can't have those things identify us and we can't have them that identify our success. Our success is always comes from within and how much love that we have for ourselves and for others. It's hard to have unconditional love for somebody else if we don't have that unconditional love for ourselves. And that's what ties in with hypocrisy. Hypocrisy isn't unconditional ways of being, right? And unconditional love. We're basically doing something that's not in our best interest, and that's not come from a place of love. Now, I'm going to ask you if you're feeling like you're a hypocrite, not to take this personally, first of all, and to always love yourself unconditionally no matter where you are. So yeah, if you give one message verbally to your child, yet you act in a different way or you speak in a different way, the big thing is for you to just be aware of that. It's not to judge yourself like, oh my God, I do that, right? I speed even though I don't want my child to speed, right? I'm on my phone even though I don't want my child to be on his or her phone or to use electronics, whatever it is. I don't want my child to curse, yet I'm cursing. You know, it's okay. First step is to remember to love yourself unconditionally for wherever you are. And then that's the next step is to understanding that we're always role models for our children. 
Now, obviously, this is a sports-related podcast, so I want to go in it again with sports, is that we have to make sure that our child is in a completely welcome and unconditionally loved, supportive setting for their sports development, right? We need to make sure that we will love them if they make mistakes, if they don't make mistakes, if they're the star player, if they're the last player on the bench, we will support them always unconditionally. And that's the big key right there is to always make sure we're supporting. And if we start to feel triggered and frustration to take a look at why we're feeling triggered and frustrated, it has nothing to do with our child. That may be the catalyst, but it has nothing to do with our child it has everything to do with us. If you get triggered about something, take a look inside to say, why is this bothering me? It doesn't have anything to do with the other player, although the other player, or I'm sorry, the other person, another person that, that, that is bringing something out in you. If you have an argument about something or if you hear somebody says something about you, it doesn't have anything to do with that other player, that person, that other person has their own experience, but what is it saying about you? So whenever you start to feel all wound up, take a look at yourself and say, why is this triggering me? Because the more we can ask that question, why, and why, and why, and why, the more conscious we're becoming. And the more conscious we're becoming, then the more we can love ourselves. And the more we can love ourselves, the more we can love our children and our spouses and our friends and our neighbors and the rest of our family and our coworkers. But that deep sense of love always starts from within. And we keep our children in a loving, supporting environment in which they feel comfortable exploring more and more. And obviously, you need to be able, as, a, as an athlete, you have to be able to feel comfortable experimenting and making mistakes and trying new things in order to achieve more of your potential. And again, that's a role as a parent. You're there to provide tons of loving support. Your child, through peer pressure, through coach pressure, that's naturally going to happen, is going to develop just fine. They're, they will learn to push themselves. But if you create this blockade, if parents, if you're the ones starting to block them and putting too much pressure on them yourselves, then they will freeze because they'll be too fearful to try anything. And they find themselves fighting against their peers. They're fighting against their coach and they're fighting against you. And what I mean by fighting is that they're feeling defensive, right? And they're, not, they're always going to feel defensive against peers and always going to feel defensive against coaches that push them and push their limits. That's what a good coach should do. And how your child responds to a coach pushing them and peers pushing them is always dependent on their relationship in their home. We want to make sure all the children are coming from an environment where they're not feeling like their happiness or your happiness as a parent is dependent on what they're doing. You want them to make sure that they're responsible for their own happiness and you're responsible for your own happiness as well. So I know that was a lot. That was kind of a rant, um, but that's kind of where I was just coming from in this episode. So I hope it was helpful. Like I said, we have a lot of cool interviews to be released and I'm going to record uh, a couple more within the next week or so and hope to have those out. So 
like I said, the next one sh- that's going to come out should be with AJ Bramlett, uh, basketball player from University of Arizona, who went on to the NBA and uh, played in Europe as well. And Robert Ian Bonick, who was uh, the orphan f- who from England, who played for the English uh, national basketball team, uh, and now lives in in Bali and Changu. So. Excited to release all these. As always, I'm happy to take any questions. You can always contact me through my website at clearmind.com forward slash podcast and go to my social media. There are links on my website at clearmind.com. And I look forward to speaking with you all. All right. Take care and much love to you and many blessings.